interesting on that whole let them eat cake kind of thing. I'm going to look into that. Thank you for the information. Eat on of the Mofamu Cotini story. At some point around 1789, Pouan Bantol Franck subjectad nobriade. Marie-Antoinette, bride of France Saint Louis XVI, supposedly sniffed, qu'il mange. De la brioche, trait d'union, let me a cake. Oui, tata, quelle ou remarque, te qui en beca ma tête symbole of de cadan monarchie end. Fuelette de révolution ta ou cause et tôt, littorali, l'oseat se verra liard. Laté. Latem et akaikiste traditionnelle translation of the franc phrase qu'il mange. De la brioche, un cento afbe en spoukan int 17 et h or 18 et h centuri biagria. Principon bantol tat péazan ad no briade. Te franc phrase mention brioche, abriade enrichet d'huit butendeg, considéré da. Luxurifo. Te codista quant au reflect et te princesse frivolou dis regard forte starving. Péazan or report understanding of their plight. Où il te phrasis comme on l'y attributait au Marie-Antoinette, terra référence au italien. Prior tot franc révolution, mais à Taitis impossible forte code to have. Originaten from Antoinette, and some saitis un liquelier toi spoukambier. It's one of the most famous quotes in history. At some point around 1789, when being told that her French subjects had no bread, Marie Antoinette, bride of France's King Louis XVI, supposedly sniffed, quills mangent, de la brioche, hyphen, let them eat cake. With that callous remark, the Queen became a hated symbol of the decadent monarchy and fueled the revolution that would cause her to, literally, lose her head several years. Later, let them eat cake, is the traditional translation of the French phrase, quills mangent, de la brioche, one said to have been spoken in the 17th or 18th century by, a great, princess, upon being told that the peasants had no bread. The French phrase mentions brioche, a bread enriched with butter and eggs, considered a luxury food. The quote is taken to reflect either the princess's frivolous disregard for the starving peasants or her poor understanding of their plight. While the phrase is commonly attributed to Marie Antoinette, there are references to it prior to the French Revolution, meaning that it is impossible for the quote to have originated from Antoinette, and some say it is unlikely it was spoken by her. 
The phrase appears in Book 6 of Jean-Jacques Rousseau's Confessions, whose first six books were written in 1765 and published in 1782. In the book, Rousseau recounts an episode in which he was seeking bread to accompany some wine he had stolen. Feeling too elegantly dressed to go into an ordinary bakery, he recalled the words of a great princess, five at length I remembered a last resort of a great princess who, when told that the peasants had no bread, replied, then let them eat brioches. Hyphen Jean Jacques Rousseau, Confessions. Measuring instruments, but to measure what, I wonder? This is some sort of Geiger counter, and it is past the danger point. The atmosphere is polluted with a very high level of fallout. Then we must find Barbara and get back to TARDIS. Even if we do, we can't leave until we get some mercury. Young man, I have to confess. There is nothing wrong with the fluid link. I just didn't want to leave until we had explored the city. Please forgive me. Well, let's get out of here. Listen to man behind the machine. You just love to call me while I'm working. Oh, yeah. how'd well, it go? You, you bought a house before. Imagine doing a hundred of them at a time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's what it's like. And I'm fire. I fired up the Raspberry Pi. Nice. So. Yeah, do, were you guys able to geek out at all? Well, I mean, as much as you'd think you would. I mean, we be nerds all the time, but we don't go up there to computer. We go up there to sit out on the lake and drink some whiskey. 
Yeah. Yep. Spent, uh, like, on Friday, I literally got on the lake, went out there with my booze at, like, 11 o'clock in the morning, and didn't stop until after 8 at night. Daddy, <laughs> Daddy Claw. pretty wasted at that time, but it was a good time. Oh, yeah. You weren't on TeamSpeak? You don't have, like, a headset? I mean, we do, but we're not going to get on TeamSpeak. The majority of the people that shouldn't be... Mm. TeamSpeak up there. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the good times, good times. Cool. Do you remember, do you remember a software store back in the 80s called Electronic Boutique? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do you th- what'd you remember about that place? Buying video games there. That was one place. Yeah. You're not going to get a whole lot of attention right now. It's because I'm working at the same time. Hey, I have to ask a question before I forget. Um, okay. Was that a microaggression earlier when you said you like to call when I work? <laughs> was that a microaggression? Because I kind of felt a little uncomfortable there. I was like, yeah. Uh, uh, microaggression. You I was trying to run SimCity in the Amiga 1200 you gave me, and it froze. Have you used that? I haven't played every single one of the hundred bajillion games that are in there, if that's what you're asking. Yeah. Okay. No, you don't remember specifically that one? No. Okay. I played Asteroids on Amiga today. Nice. Yeah, I don't think I ever played Asteroids for Amiga. Yeah, it was sweet. I think I put, yeah, oh yeah, usually, yeah, that's what I usually play, but it was cool to play the Amiga one, I have to adjust the screen size, the screen is small when it opens up, I think they allow you to make, you know, choose your resolution on some of these games. Quite possibly, I mean, Amiga was definitely far more advanced than Atari. Yeah. So, are you off work? I mean, as much as I can. Lately, I've been finishing up my radio station. I finished it up completely yesterday, finally. Um, got all the stuff turned into it, so it's now playing the entire selection of mod files. Um, other than that, uh, playing the Satisfactory game, which is pretty interesting. A very chill, interesting game where you literally just design factories and produce products and stuff like that. It's kind of interesting. Simulation? Yeah. Interesting. I mean, they consider it a survival game because you're dropped off on an alien planet to go and gather resources <coughs> and, like, be 
feed him up some kind of a space elevator thing. I'm not very far into it, but. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, it, it is interesting. I mean, there's different alien life and stuff like that. And whatnot. It's kind of a crazy game. Yeah. Speaking of factories, the Chinese are threatening to um, not send sand to the factories in Taiwan to do semiconductors. Yeah, I know they're mad because Nancy Pelosi went there, but I mean, I can't necessarily blame them. And who wants Nancy Pelosi to hang out with you? The Chinese have it, and there's going to be hell to pay, they said. You're not going to get your x86 chips. Yeah, apparently the Russians are buying cheap chips from the Chinese that are low-grade slower because they can't they can't get it from Western companies because of the special operations in Ukraine. Oh, I had some questions. Why is it that some of the graphics on the Pi are slow and it's jittering? on one of the Nintendo 64 games for Star Wars. There's definitely gonna be games that don't emulate well. There's certain parts of the 64 that have yet to be properly emulated. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Well, like their FX chip, the Super Nintendo, gosh, they didn't emulate the FX chip for, not properly for, what, like, I want to say like 20 years after it was out. Yeah. And there's a Super FX chip in the 64, and I don't think that they've ever properly emulated that. So certain 3D applications don't emulate properly. Oh, interesting. Like 007. That one won't work right. That'll be slow as hell. Also uses the same technology. It's because there's not very many games that were made for it. And, yeah, they might be iconic, but they they just, it's a lot of un, unnecessary work where a lot of them probably see it. Yeah. Creating an emulator is a thankless job. Yeah. People love to have them, but, the, you know. Yeah, it was really, I was, play, I was playing Star Wars today. Um, Shadows of the Empire, and it's uh, you're, the first scene is you're in an airplane, in a ship, fighting, you know, in a spaceship, and uh, you're going over snowy terrain, and it's jittery AF, you know, it really is, it's really jittery, and I have it on cartridge, I have the original system downstairs, so I could plug it any time, but I'm trying to save my hardware, you know, by emulating. That's the point of emulating. But I'm thinking, why don't I just do my original hardware for that? Or you can use a big boy computer, and it'll have more power than Pi, and then it'll work just fine. I thought you told me that Pi rocks. It does rock. 
Well, why isn't it a big boy computer? Well, a big boy computer is like a full-blown computer. Something like you got a gaming rig where you have a graphics card that can do the work for that. Okay. Okay. I, I thought I had enough power on that chip. I mean, it's very powerful. It's yeah. just not a whole computer plus a graphics card powerful. Yeah, but shouldn't it be as powerful to, enough to play games that were made in the 90s? It's not really the way you want to look at it, because it's not like it's the native hardware running it. It's <clears throat> hardware pretending to be other hardware. There's several extra steps for everything that's just a normal step for the original hardware. Okay. I thought you said this... Pi was a gaming emulation marvel. It pretty much is. Look at how many games you have in there. You're going to pick out like four or five games that don't work well and be irritated with it? <laughs> no, I know, I know, but I, I just thought that at least it could run the Star Wars, you know, game. And well, the, if the Star Wars game was natively made for that hardware, I'm sure it runs yeah. just fine. But it's no. not. No, I'm happy with it, but I'm happy. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying there's certain games that are my favorite, and that's one of them, you know? Well, if you have a full-blown computer, then the graphics card in your computer can handle that stuff. Mm. A Pi doesn't have, like, a graphics card. It has uh, an SOC, and it has, like, the graphics technology built into that SOC, and it's going to be very limited compared to, like, an actual graphics card. Yeah. Like, my graphics card has, what, thousands of processors in it? Thousands. Not, like, eight or four. Like, the I has, like, eight or four, I can't remember, that does just graphics. And, like, thousands. That's not a good comparison. Yeah. So you throw something that has way more power and it's not going to have that issue. Save yourself up about, you know, 1600 bucks. We'll build you a good computer and enjoy your conversation. And at the same time, we'll record and you can go and edit it later or whatever you want to do. Maybe I can play Star Wars on there. You know, it's a different chip. It's Well, I'm pretty sure that that's a gateway array, so it's probably different. Okay. Maybe better, maybe worse. Yeah. Isn't that amazing that that game on a cartridge plays just so fluidly? You know, the way it was meant to be? On, on a cart? You yeah, know? it has nothing to do with the cart. That has to do with it has a Super FX chip in it. <clears throat> it's a... It's a very fancy proprietary 3D technology that only used only used by Nintendo. Oh. And gotcha. so the little bit of work people have done to make it work, they've converted over to like OpenGL and stuff like that, which is a modern, more powerful technology. But since there's like, whenever you're pretending to be something else, there's always going to be like four or five steps for every one step that the normal hardware would have had to take. Yeah. So it requires like five 
five times the power to do the same thing. And it won't even do it as good. Um, that's not true. You do it on a big boy computer and it will do it better. Wow. For sure. Because you can enhance the graphics on a graphics card because you got you got way more overhead than you need. Because that's going to be like a thousand times the power of the Super Nintendo and then some. Right. Or the 64. And then you can say, all right, while you're at it, get rid of all the edges and smooth all the corners and enhance all the colors and do all that kind of stuff that makes it look clean and smooth and it'll be better than the original. Better, stronger, faster. Yep, that's a good song. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if it could perform. Well, I don't know how you would do it. How do you run? How do you run Nintendo Nintendo sixty four? Don't it you? Depends on the game. Don't you need an emulator? Yeah, you can emulate on a computer. I know that. I'm just saying on yours. Have you ever done it? Yeah. And Not specifically the Star Wars game, but other games, yeah. For sixty four games. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah, well. My favorite game for the 64 is the Mickey Mouse Magical Tetris, which is the most violent Tetris game you'll ever play. What? Yep. I actually, that was like, I, I had, I think, two copies of that game on 64. I've never heard of it. Yep. Great game. Yeah, I remember Nintendo 64 started showing, like, all those virtual worlds that Mario was in, you know, mm-hmm. in some of their advertisements. So they were trying to capture that virtual video gaming experience, right? I mean, I don't know if I'd go as far as virtual, but I think they were trying to do 3D. 3D, yeah. To me, it's the I same mean, thing, but I know it's it, different. It, it, it did, like, normal 3D just fine. It's the stuff that requires their fancy chip that only, like, five games or whatever ever made for it used. And if you play any of those games, you'll know right away because they run slow. Really? Yep. Go run 007. That's for sure one of them. You'll see that it's, like, horrendously bad. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll run. I'll run it on the on the pie. Right, that's what I'm saying. It'll yeah. be really slow, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And it has nothing to do with the power of the pie, and everything to do with they just never properly emulated that part of the chip because there's only a few games that use it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's stabilized though. I'll give it that. It's stable. The the emulator stabilized the jitteriness at some point um, as you're flying over this like snowy landscape and there's like droids coming at you and other spaceships, you know, for Star Wars. Um, it does stabilize. So it, it was jittery and then it kind of smooths out. So I'll try it again. It but probably I'll, has more to do with how many things are on the screen. 
screen at once. Oh, okay. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I'd have to see it. It's a thankless job, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's true. <laughs> oh, God. Then pass it on to somebody else who digs in, maybe does it for a while, and then passes it on to somebody else. Because everybody that gets into it gets this big idea of how they're going to make it better, and then they, they maybe add a little bit at a time. And then slowly but surely, it gets a little better, but at some point in time, you know, they're like, I'm done with it too. Hey, listen, I've been following the paper trail. I've been putting the clues together like puzzle pieces to a Jenga. Uh, it's very, it's very uh, rickety at the top. However, that's where you find all the gold nuggets in between you and me. Now, don't share this with man behind the machine, okay? This is, this is some deep stuff, man. Now, listen, what I uncovered is that man behind the machine... Are you ready for it? Are you sitting down? Are you at least propped up against something? Man behind the machine is an artificial intelligence, man. I'm telling you. I've seen the documents. I've tasted the tinctures. I've looked at the files. Trust me. That file cabinet is rusty beyond rust. Trust me. The phrase was supposedly said by Marie Antoinette in 1789, during one of the famines in France during the reign of her husband, King Louis XVI. But it was not attributed to her until half a century later. Although anti-monarchists never cited the anecdote during the French Revolution, it acquired great symbolic importance in subsequent historical accounts when pro-revolutionary commentators employed the phrase to denounce the upper classes of the Anseen regime as oblivious and rapacious. As one biographer of the Queen notes, it was a particularly powerful phrase because, the staple food of the French peasantry and the working class was bread, absorbing 50% of their income, as opposed to 5% on fuel, the whole topic of bread was therefore the result of obsessional national interest. Seven Rousseau's first six books were written in 1765 when Marie Antoinette was nine years of age, and published when she was twenty-six, eight years after she became queen. The increasing in popularity of Marie Antoinette in the final years before the outbreak of the French Revolution also likely influenced many to attribute the phrase to her. During her marriage to Louis XVI, her critics often cited her perceived frivolousness and very real extravagance as factors that significantly worsened France's dire financial straits. Eight, her Austrian birth and her gender also diminished her credibility further in a country where xenophobia and chauvinism were beginning to exert major influence in national politics. Nine, while the causes of France's economic woes extended far beyond the royal families, spending Anti-monarchist polemics demonized Marie Antoinette as Madame de Fichet, who had single-handedly ruined France's finances. Turned these libellous printed stories and articles vilifying her family and their courtiers with exaggerations, 
fictitious anecdotes, and outright lies. In the tempestuous political climate, it would have been a natural slander to put the famous words into the mouth of the widely scorned queen. The phrase was attributed to Marie Antoinette by Alphonse Corin Les Gallops of March. 1843. 11 Nota Attribution to Maria Teresa of Spain Edit Objections to the Legend of Marie Antoinette and the Comment Center on Arguments Concerning the Queen's Personality Internal Evidence from Members of the French Royal Family in the Date of the Sayings Origin According to Antonia Fraser, the notorious story of the ignorant princess was first said 100 years before Marie Antoinette in relation to Marie Therese the wife of Louis XIV. Citing the memoirs of Louis XVIII, who was only 14 when Rousseau's confessions were written and whose own memoirs were published much later. 2. Louis XVIII does not mention Marie Antoinette in his account, but says that the story was an old legend and that the family always believed that Maria Theresa had originated the phrase. However, Louis XVIII is as likely as others to have had his recollection affected by the quick spreading and distorting of Rousseau's original remark. Fraser also points out in her biography that Marie Antoinette was a generous patron of charity and moved by the plight of the poor when it was brought to her attention, thus making the statement out of character for her. Twelve this makes it even more unlikely that Marie Antoinette ever said the phrase. A second consideration is that there were no actual famines during the reign of King. Louis XVI and only two incidents of serious bread shortages, the first in April-May 1775, a few weeks before the king's coronation on 11th of June, 1775, and the second in 1788, the year before the French Revolution. The 1775 shortages led to a series of riots that took place in northern, eastern and western France, known at the time as the Flower War, Guerre des Farines. Letters from Marie Antoinette to her family in Austria at this time reveal an attitude largely contrary to the spirit of let them eat brioche. 13 It is quite certain that in seeing the people who treat us so well despite their own misfortune, we are more obliged than ever to work hard for their happiness. The king seems to understand this truth. Hyphen Marie Antoinette Another problem with the date surrounding the attribution is that when the phrase first appeared, Marie Antoinette was not only too young to have said it, but living outside France as well. Although published in 1782, Rousseau's Confessions were finished 13 years prior in 1769. Marie Antoinette, only 14 years old at the time, would not arrive at Versailles from Austria until 1770. Since she was completely unknown to him at the time of writing, she could not have possibly been the great princess, he mentioned.